Kevin and Mike are here to give you great news. Nice. Welcome back to another episode of Great News with Kevin and Mike. I'm Kevin Ryder. This is Mike Catherwood. Yes. Hello. Great news. Boom. Right. Pow, I mean, we you. need to say more than that, but yeah, 45 minutes past the hour. Pow. Bang. <laughs> Subscribe if you would be so kind and uh, press the little bell button so that you will get notified every time we put up an episode, and which, by the way, can be very spotty. Sometimes it's at noon. Sometimes it's at 2 a.m. That's how we work. No, it's not. It's at noon somewhere. Always. Good. I Sri like Lanka, it. maybe. I like it. But it comes out at noon somewhere. I like it. All right. All right. And I know you made that promise, and you kept good on it, as Th- far as I'm concerned. Thank you. All right. Kevin, we ready? You know, I've been thinking about the intro. Yes. Okay. And outro. Fine with it. I, I thought hope, they were good. I hope you're happy with it. This is like the fourth episode. I know. I'm thinking, stick with the song. What if we do, like, different styles every once in a while? To, okay. I'd like, like reggae. Can I just shout out reggae? Or I guess. What? I might have to work on that. That's, that. that's a little outside my normal. Like, I'm either, like country western singer songwriter maybe i was thinking i already did the like rock oh okay cool. about, like like uh if you have something in mind go super ahead. super maudlin uh singer songwriter guy i'll look up maudlin while you sing it i'm thinking of like a like imagine like a young neil young at the troubadour with like beat up jeans he's like oh my life sucks so much but all i got some guitar all right like a young bob dylan you know like a new york city lower east side bar. i think you should keep some of these people's names out your mouth okay <clears throat> Here we go. I'll count you in. One, three, two, one. Intro. It's totally the intro. Intro. So hello to the happy goodbye to the blues. Blue. Kevin and Mike are here to give you great news. Oh, I'm so sad. <laughs> I'm not sure that it should end sad, but okay. I like it. I like I'm not it. I'm saying songs. I'm saying he's. This is a uh, podcast that we are doing of all great news because um, there's so much negativity everywhere else. So all we do is positive stories. Uh, We're like PR people for the positive. Yes. We're a PR campaign for the good. Correct. Last year, uh, as everyone knows, sucked. And there was a uh, kindergarten teacher who had maybe worse luck than most of us. I mean, it was really difficult economically. Mm-hmm. People were getting sick and dying, not being able to visit their friends. This uh, teacher lost his job and then lost a member of his family. And here's the story. All right, well, a lot of you probably won't remember 2020 as a lucky year for obvious reasons, but there's a Charlotte man uh, who is going through tough times, who just struck it rich with a scratch-off lotto ticket. WCNC Charlotte's Chloe Leshner has the story from the Lucky Gas Station in Northwest Charlotte. A lot of regulars come here to play the lottery every day, and they have had winners in the past, but this is the biggest ticket. It's the kind of place where you'll probably see a familiar face. With me being out here a couple of days a week, I usually see the same people every day. The BP gas station on Bellhaven Boulevard is a staple in the community. Everybody around here knows pretty much everybody. So news spread fast when a local man, Joe Camp, won the top prize on the Gold Rush scratch-off ticket. 
$250,000. That is awesome. Well, that was very fortunate for him. Okay, now hold your kid back. Gloria Henderson and Paul Cleland have seen a flurry of customers in the days since. Everybody buying that kind of ticket. <laughs> yeah, and they think cost one do it, the other one do it. But it's still three more prizes out there like that. The store has a history of being a lucky spot. Well, it's been a long time since we had a winner like that. I, I sold the last winner probably about five, seven years ago. It was 150000 So this, now this, I, I, I had the top one, but now she's got the top. All right, take it easy, one-eye. <laughs> hold up, hold up. What's the guy, what kind of competition is it? I had the 150000 yeah. then I got beat. It's true. He was trying to one-up her. Do they get money? I know the store gets money. Do the people that actually ring them up get money? No, no. Way. I don't think so. No, they can't, right? I mean, unless the owner decides to give them a bonus or whatever, but. I hope they do, but I just imagine, like, you're just doing the same thing with the yeah. winning ticket and the losing ticket. I, you know, I don't know. I agree. All right. Tough 2020. After 20 years as a preschool teacher, he was laid off in September. A month later, his dad died. The clerks are happy to see one of their regulars win big. Been out of work three months. He got laid off because of COVID. He didn't have no money coming in, so that was great. I was happy for him. Camp says he's going to use his winnings to buy a house that he can pass down to his daughter. In Charlotte, Chloe Leshner, WCNC Charlotte. How great is that? It's beautiful. Dude taught kindergarten for 20 years and got laid off. It's, I mean, like, I know it's cliche to say it, and it's total cheese ball, but it's true. Like teachers are so amazing to begin with. Agreed. But what teachers are having to do now with the pandemic and, and online schooling, teacher, whole, I agree. angels, man, to I that agree. level of patience and stuff. I, sometimes I'll sit back and just watch my daughter be so annoying as well as the other kids in the class. I mean, my daughter's six. That's kind of what, but you know, they have a hard time focusing in a classroom. Yeah. When they're sitting in their bedroom, like looking at the screen, and my daughter's not paying attention, and she's asking inappropriate questions. Are you a distraction in that situation? I have been, but my wife has set me straight. Well, I mean, that's true of most everything. Yes. I've tried to like do like, not skits, but I've definitely tried to be like the funny dad in the background, right. you know, and like don't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, but speaking of kids, you have kids, I have kids, I have a child, but you had twins. Yes. Twin girls. So I think that this story is going to hit very close to home for you, and it's totally positive, and it's totally cute, but kids are the best. They give so much to your life, but let's all be honest. Road trips with children. Oh, the worst. Uh, oh, the worst. The worst. I remember the one that my parents took us on. Yeah. Three boys in the back seat. And to this day, I asked my mom, what were you thinking? Why would you take us on a road trip? Because you want to have the great experiences, but then you get like 30 minutes in and you're yes. like, what have I yes. done? What have I done? Hey, get your feet off me. <laughs> That's the whole trip. So you have the go-tos of like some families probably sing songs. I don't know what you do. But I think almost every parent has tried the who can be quiet the longest game, right? Yeah. You ever pull that one? Of course. Here are twin girls and their mom, uh, someone in the passenger seat filmed while the mom who was driving said, it's time to play who can keep quiet the longest game. Here we go. Hey girls, we're gonna have a contest. Who can be quiet the longest? Me. 
I love her. I love her so much. She's not even into try. I'm not even going to try. I have thought this through, and am I, I'm a no. I lose this game. Yeah. And kids are so competitive. And she's like, you know what? This sucks. Okay, Come out. I, I lose. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she recognizes it as the parent just trying to keep him quiet. Maybe she's smarter than her mom. She's some genius. Yeah. It reminds me of the Seinfeld where they did the who could not um, yes. have private time. Mm -hmm. And George just comes in with the money. But he's like, hey, I lose. <laughs> Play that again, if yeah. you would. I, I would lose in five minutes yeah. of that game. Uh, do you have another fantastic story for us? I do. I have a story about a basketball scholarship. Mm -hmm. There's a uh, kid who... He had a rough year last year like everybody else. Sure. He was working because his dad and his mom were not, and he didn't have a scholarship. So he just walked high on. High school kid. High, uh, college kid. Dude. So he's supporting his family. College or high school? Well, I would imagine if he, he was in high school getting a scholarship to college is, is my guess. Right? Look, my, the honest truth is I don't know. Let's okay, either way. But let's watch the video. Let's, let's imagine that someone of that age is supporting his family. Yes. And, that's, <laughs> and not getting money to play basketball. He's not a scholarship. So the coach decided to do something special for him. Oklahoma State basketball player, Dean Mitchell. Well, he's been a, a walk-on player, not a scholarship athlete. So he stocks produce at a Walmart to help pay for school. Well, this weekend, his coach, Mike Boynton, he decided to surprise the college junior right there at his job at Walmart while his teammates and mom, well, they watched on a Zoom call. He's done so much for our program. I thought today was a great opportunity three years later to let him know that he's going to be on scholarship. Uh, All right, hold it right there. Hold it right there. You can tell the relief that came over that kid. That kid is supporting his family. He's feeling it. His coach come and says, I'm going to pay, I'm going to give you a scholarship to play basketball. You can just see the years of hard work. And if, you, if you're the guy supporting your family at college age, you have to think that he, he's so consumed with making it through the now right. that he doesn't have the luxury that almost all college kids should have of thinking of his own future. Yeah. Uh, I get to go to college. This is fucking amazing. And I get to play basketball. And this is a, So he's probably so wrapped up in, man, how am I going to get my family through today that to have that, not only the relief, the financial relief of now, but to think like, Oh my gosh, I can breathe. I can I go think, and build my life Yes, too. I think it's emotional relief to know that, hey, I actually can live my life now along with my parents. Yeah, it's beautiful. So it's beautiful. Let's finish it. Uh, what I want our program to be more than you have, right? You've worked your butt off. You never complain. You show up early. You stay late. And to do what you did for this semester, to sacrifice, to continue to come around. Oh, that is so wonderful. D. Mitchell. D. Mitchell. That just made Overwhelmed by the scholarship oh. surprise. He almost had to quit the team last year when his mom lost her own job because of the pandemic. 
and he had to start working full time. Oh, that gives me chills. That's yes, what the Morning yes, Boost yes. is all about. All the best to his family. That's beautiful. Man, I, I'm, I'm really glad you selected that story. That really does make me feel good. And by the way, uh, the coach said he shows up early, stays late, Doesn't never complain. complains. That guy had stuff to complain about, and he yeah. didn't. If there's one, I hate to even point it out, but if we can look at the bright side of 2020 in some way. It ended. That's, it that's, ended. That's but also, I think for a lot of us, it rearranged the way we value certain things. Because of struggle, we got to get back to realizing what really matters. And that kid lived in what really matters. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like in 20 years, if you're hiring somewhere, that's the guy you want on your team. Yeah, Because he knows how to live his life to the fullest. You know, and, he doesn't fall asleep And work hard and show up early and stay late and compartmentalize all of that pressure. Right, right. Because look- That's amazing. Is, I'm guilty of it. When things are really good, I think because of like, we're still just animals, human beings our brain, our instinctive brain starts to like search for things for us to be upset about yeah. that aren't real. And that kid never had to deal with that. No, that's true. Reality was constantly just smashing him in the face. Um, here's a man, 53 years old, Keith Walker. He lives in Atlanta, Georgia. He has been homeless since he was 13 years old. Wow. This man has been living on the streets. How old is he now? 53. Wow. 40 years of his life have been without a home. So this guy definitely has a different understanding of what life is than, than the rest of us. He is going to the W Underdogs facility, which is a, a piece of a larger homeless um, shelter and um, rehabilitation facility. The W Underdogs facility is a, 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 um, an area there within that homeless facility that uses dogs as therapy for homeless people to help to, you know, develop them, to have some sense of happiness and meaning. And there, there he is with uh, one of the employees there with his pit bull. And he was walking in to pick up his dog and he sees that an electrical fire has caught the place on fire. Oh man. And when I say caught the place on fire, um, I don't know if we have a picture of, uh, of oh, there it is. Wow. The, the building was by all accounts from witnesses completely engulfed. like. You have to have the, okay, call the fire department, but I, can we go in? I'm going to, I'm going to burn. No, the answer is no. This guy, without hesitation, asked another friend of his, uh, another homeless man, immediately call the fire department and then sprinted in and saved 16 dogs. All 16 dogs that were being sheltered there. Really? He picked up each of them. One by one, and, because most of them are big. And, and by the way, if you pick up a 20-pound dog, it feels like it's 40. And some of these dogs, a lot of them were bulldogs, from what I understand from the story. Or excuse me, were pit bulls. Some of these dogs are 70 pounds, you know. And yeah. he saved every single one. And uh, it was just an incredibly beautiful story. On top of that, the added little gift wrap of goodness is that subsequently... People saw this story on the Atlanta local news and started donating to him. To the homeless to the man, guy. Wow. To help, to help with him. And he's received so many donations um, that the W Underdogs facility has had to go online and to say, thank you. This is beautiful. If you want to donate, keep it coming. But his, his mental illness is very multifaceted. 
So we're doing the best we can with making sure that he can handle this money properly and that it doesn't, you know, necessarily either go, go to waste or someone doesn't exploit him for it. So, wow. but it just goes to show that, uh, on top of someone being inspired to do something very good, that subsequently it kind of, it daisy changed like it often does and yeah. it created even more goodness amongst other people. So there you go. That's my, my, uh, second story for you. All right. I'm going to try and read this story. Uh, you're gonna have to I get, love it when you read. You're going to have to give me a minute. Okay. Oh, actually, um, a friend of ours wants to say hello. Oh. I'm glad you, uh, you're glad I messed up so that we have time no, to talk no, to a friend of ours? We had some opportunity to say hello to our friend here. Let me go find him. Okay. <laughs> we do have various friends. Stop. Hey, Rudy. What's up, Doc? Hey, how's it going? Hey, like, uh, my life's good. You know, like, um. I got uh, my my job. You know, we went back to work. The county allowed uh, oh really Jamba Juice to to go back to business. So I, you know, I'm back. Uh, I'm earning money. That's good. Are you in management at the Jamba Juice? I am now. Um. Well, no, nope. I, I was. Okay, um, I, I, but I, you're I, not right today. I kept. Um, you know how they have mira la, la boost. You know, at Jamba Juice they give yes. you the boost, and you can yeah, you want to boost uh, what wheatgrass or whatever. So, when you'd come in and Protein. order wheatgrass, I would give you weed. What? So I had a little side business. Oh, and where's your Jamba Juice? Well, um, it's in uh, Pacoima. Mm-hmm. You know, so you I still know, work there? I do. I can hook it up, doc. You know, okay. but but I I I got demoted because of this. You know, so now I'm not managing. Pero I see. I I see like management again. Okay. On my horizon. I just had a couple of questions for you. How come my, my grandma, my abuelita, when she talks about my job, she says yamba juice, pero when she says juice, she says juice. Right. Yamba juice. She says yamba juice. And I was curious, like, why she would do that. I don't know why she would do that. I've been thinking. Yamba of, juice. How come you bake cookies, pero you cook bacon? I don't know. Have you ever thought about that? No, I don't. This is not the way my mind works. You know what I was thinking about, Doc? <laughs> is this conspiracy or what? Illuminati. <laughs> Red pill. Open your mind. How come there's no AIDS in lemonade? That's an awful question. Right? Yes. No, I'm saying on your part. Illuminati, right? Pulling strings. Open your mind. Red pill. QAnon? Blue pill. Hey, so I was, I was hanging with my homie, uh, Sphincter, and that vato. Um, your first homie's name, please? <laughs> what was your first? I was with. Because I, I missed it. I was with Reaper. Reaper. Mud. Mud. Sphincter. S- did you say Sphincter? Sphincter. That's that his homie, nickname? Yes, my homie Sphincter. Uh, the homie Hancholo. The homie, uh, I was with uh, Push Broom. Push broom. <laughs> with the bottle push broom. He's my favorite. Okay, and like um, my grandma was there, you know, and we were watching Raiders a couple weekends ago, you know, and we were blazing. Right. Your grandma blazes? No, she was sitting there. Okay. As a, in fact, she was asleep. But we were in her little room, you know, and we we're watching, and we we're blazing, and the whole fucking room was like, like a fog machine, you know. Right. And. 
my grandma, I went over. I was like, Grandma, we're going to go to get something to eat or something. And she was like, fucking like that, right? So I was like, shit, I killed my grandma, you know, with chronic. But then I was thinking, like, if we take her body, like, we're getting Bernie's or something, you know, just throw it. You know, we could go park a handicap and we could get a discount at Denny's. So we did that. I'm sorry? You did that? Yeah, we put, I put my friend Sphincter put his locs on her, his shades, and she was just in the back like this. And so the moral of the story is, is that she came back. To, we were driving home. She wasn't dead. No, she had a cut. We were in the cut list like this. And then she goes, like, I'm like, oh, fuck. And, and we're like, oh, your grandma's a zombie fool. That's what they were saying to me. But then she was alive. What I'm saying is, listen, children. Senior citizens can't process modern chronic because it's too advanced. So do your part and smoke weed away from old people. I think that's some good advice. That's great news. Peace out, buddy. <coughs> All right, I need to... Where are we at time-wise? Okay. I think he gave it up. This is what happened. To, this is what happened to my story. <laughs> what was the story about? I can find it for you. It's the baker that goes on a hunger strike. Hang on. Oh, the French dude. Yeah, I can find it for you, dude. Oh, I am not going to eat. Here's what's going to happen: is I'm going to say I have a story, but I can't say most of the words. So will you take a run at? Telling the story. Absolutely. Okay. I'll tell it in his voice if you yeah. like. Okay, here we go. I found the picture. French baker's hunger strike saves apprentice from deportation? Yes. Holy mackerel. Fuck, it worked. So, you... so Pierre said to uh, Jean Petit, he said, I am going to be deported. And he said, oh, I cannot have you be deported. You are my favorite uh, de apprentice. You make uh, the best bread. You make uh, the best croissant. You make uh, the best, uh, uh, the best uh, pierogies. And, and then, so he said, what are you going to do, uh, Jean? And he said, oh, listen, uh, Jean Petit, I am going to stop eating. And he said, you are a French man. You cannot stop eating. You, can, you must have many mistresses. And I mean, this guy can stop eating for a couple days. Uh, the, the truth is, you are very fat for a Frenchman. He <laughs> said, I know Jean Petit. That's why it, uh, we killed two birds with one stone. <laughs> and he said, ah, yes, you will lose weight. I will stay in this country. And then he went on the hunger strike for 28 days. 11 days. 11 days. And I lost so much weight, uh, ha -ha. and you get to stay in Gay Paris. Let us dance amongst the streets of Rudesh. Where was Champlain. where was the kid from, though? Where did the kid come from when he was sixteen? Cameroon. No, he came from the uh, he came across on the Mediterranean Sea on an inflatable boat, <laughs> right? Yeah, and yeah, as long as you're sixteen in France, you're protected. But as soon as you turn eighteen. Go back home. That's kind of so this guy, that's what guy that needs to do this more often thought is, hey, I'm going to go on a hunger strike and make sure that he can stay here. 
That's actually way more beautiful than I thought. Making bread in France is considered important enough that they're frontline workers. Of yes, of course. <laughs> so for, for that reason, they decided, and they got some of the, ce the celebrities, the movie stars and stuff, all got involved, and they tried to save this guy, and the government said, okay, all like, good. He's like, uh -huh. yes, Marianne Cotillard, yes, you will contribute to keep him in the country. By the way, she did. <laughs> I know you were making that name up. Jean Depardieu. She's, I didn't see that one, but I did see Marianne Cotillard. Gerard, Gerard Depardieu, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. How is that the only French people I can come up with? I can't answer that. I'm just saying this guy He's did something extraordinary, and I've never, ever seen a hunger strike work. Have you? No. I, I no, just, yeah, I, I look at a, somebody who's doing a hunger strike, and I go, all right, don't eat. What, how does it that, affect me? No, that's a very good point. Has that ever worked? I, I, not that I know of. And there's probably, like, hundreds of meth addicts that are like, hunger strike? Right. I haven't eaten in 15 days. What the fuck? No one's giving me anything good. Um, also, let's be very honest. A lot harder to be on a hunger strike when you bake bread in France. Yes, agreed. You're just around all that beautiful, smelly French bread. And pizza. And that guy's, that, that guy's pretty cool. And he actually accomplished it. Which is, you know, they, they started an online campaign. And then the celebrities came in. And they got the attention of the government. And it worked. And the kid gets to stay in France. My favorite thing about this story. Well, actually, no, I don't want to say my. The, the best part is, is that this human was so giving and so thoughtful. And that celebrities came together. Everybody came together to keep this young child in, uh, in the country. And it, it is actually very beautiful. And if you think... I don't know what country he came from, but if he came on a fucking rubber raft or an inflatable raft over the Mediterranean Sea, yes, he, he's probably better off in France. He came from West Africa. Okay, so he, he probably came from a, either a war-torn or, or a great poverty. He, he was fleeing for a reason. He's probably better off in, in France. Awesome. That's amazing. The next best thing is that French people consider bread baking like... An essential job. Yes, that's front line for them. Uh, uh, you, are a, you are a refugee? Uh, yes, I am. Uh, what do you do? I'm a brain surgeon. Uh, Huey, go back to your country. Fuck you. <laughs> what do you do? Uh, I bake bread. Ah, oh, fantastic. You must stay here. <laughs> oh, you, you are either a winemaker, you make bread, or you have mistresses. That is uh, all we really need in this country. I feel like they put this guy, he gets the vaccine before the ER doctors in France. Oh, yeah. Before the president. Yeah. Yeah. Because they need their bread. But that was an inspiring story that he went to that much trouble. Ended up in the hospital because of it and got the kid to stay. 11 days is no joke. Right. 11 days is no joke. But when I first saw the story, I was like, I don't care. Don't eat. How does it affect me? No, because you're right. Every like angry vegan college student online who's like, I'm yeah. going on a hunger strike because I don't agree with Ben Folds 5 playing two <laughs> nights in a row. And you're like, it never, it never, ever, 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 ever works. But uh, good for him. How, what's the longest you've ever gone without eating? Like three hours? Um, I had COVID oh, okay. for oh, over the holidays. Mm -hmm. And I probably went for a, a cup, two or three days. That's it. When you think that's about still it. still rough. Yeah, but that's because I was sick. So I didn't you want it. You were hungry, yeah. But this guy stayed 11 days is a long, long time. And he's still overweight. This is the yeah, after picture. Fat. I don't know if it is or not. <laughs> no. 
He looks like who does he look like? Jim Norton, a little he bit. He does look like, like Jim a, Norton. Like a Fat, he looks like he ate Jim he Norton. Ate Jim Norton. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any more slogans for our show? Because I know that you are working on some tremendous slogans for our show. And you came up with a couple good ones. Unfortunately, already taken. Well, the, the first one was chicken soup for the soul, because yeah. I thought that's what this show does. Taken, yes, but good. Okay. And the second one, I thought, soul men. And you also said good. that's taken. Yes. And so then I was thinking, maybe we just call ourselves soul. But spell it like Korea? S-O-U-L. Um, recently, a, a movie very big on Netflix with a Pixar film. It's very good. Soul. I don't. Know Is in the title. So what? It's the title. We just. But we just used the word soul. S O U L. Yeah. yeah um, that's. Sorry. That's the title of the movie. So we can't use that one either. No. You're making this really hard. I know. I'm sorry. Because you are coming up with some. Thank you. Incredibly good ones. Thank you. Um, <laughs> That seems like a good show, right? Yes, absolutely. You know what I, I will say this. Did I tell you I said Taken, that was Taken? And I, thought, I immediately thought of Liam Neeson? Uh, no. Did you I did tell not. you my Liam Neeson story? No. So I'm at the Toronto Film Festival. I was working for Access Hollywood. Same. I'm on the red carpet. Right. Liam Neeson is promoting that movie. Um, Steve McQueen directed movie. Just came out a couple years ago uh, where a bunch of girls decide to rob stuff. It was actually a very good film, but he, he okay. it, he's in it. And I have in, a very particular set of skills. Right. Okay. So all I've known from Liam Neeson since like Schindler's List has been like, I have a set of skills. I will find you. I will right. you up. You touched my daughter. And he's practically indestructible in all these movies. Yes. Okay. Like 70 Albanian guys are firing automatic rifles at him. I mean, he's fine. In the trailer for this movie, it shows him dying. In the trailer. In the trailer for this movie. So I was like. This is a relevant question, I think. I, I'm, I'm not used to seeing Liam. So he comes down the red This carpet. is what you're used to. Yes. You're used to him with the gun. He's 6'6". Six, six, yeah. Probably, I mean, he's a huge man. And he's very intimidating. He has that voice, and he, he carries himself as a very intimidating guy. And I go, hey, Mr. Neeson. And he's a pleasure to talk to you. Nice to meet you. And I go, yes, nice to meet you as well. I... I was surprised to see that you die in this movie. I didn't know you were capable of dying in, fi in films. And he takes a step back and looks at me and goes, what did you say? And I said, I, I, it was in the trailer. Yeah. And I go, I, I'm not. And before I could finish what he, what I, he goes, I'm not even going to dignify that with a, with a response. You, you watch your mouth. He's like, you, you're, you're lucky. I don't take you outside and or, true anger was pointing his finger in my face. And again, he's this tall. And he's, yeah. looking, and he's like, you're lucky I don't teach you some respect. He's like, you're a disrespectful person. And he walks away. And I look at his publicist, and she looks at me, and I'm like, I, I don't know. I look around at the producer from Access Hollywood, and he's like, dude, I, I, don't, I don't know what happened. So like 30 seconds goes by, and I'm talking to Michelle Rodriguez. He walks back towards me. And he's standing behind her. With a knife? And I'm like, dude, he's going to punch. Am I going to have to fight Liam Neeson? <laughs> Finished my interview with her, and he walks right up. He goes, he puts his hand on my shoulder. He goes, I'm very sorry. I, I misheard you. I'm very sorry, and I apologize. I shouldn't have reacted that way. I'm, 
I, I hope you can accept my apology. I was like, yeah, of course, absolutely. And he's like, you, you have a good night. Under what circumstances would anyone say, you know what? No, I'm going to hold this against you forever. <laughs> but from that, and then probably like 2017, from that point on, I've still been like, what did he think I said? Why didn't you ask him that? I was, a, I, I was flustered by the yeah, whole of thing. Course. It was all crazy. I come home and I talk to my wife and she's like, wow, that is strange. I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe she goes, maybe, you know, his wife in real life died in very strange circumstances. Remember she died in a skiing accident Oh. where she hit a tree and then she was fine. And then like two days later, there was bleeding in her brain. And she died. Maybe I, maybe he thought you were, that's the kind of reaction if he thought you were talking about his wife, that's, that reaction makes on, sense. On a red carpet, as a, a really well-known, famous star, he was willing to break yep. the facade to threaten me. He thought I said something really bad. Yep. And I still, to this day, know, I have no idea. Wow. That's all. That's my Liam Neeson story. I mean, it ends, it's kind of an anticlimactic ending, but... I'm just saying. Yeah. You, you ready for the outro? <laughs> yeah, well, I, mean, I mean, I guess it would have been better if you hit me yeah way better you know that right jose canseco punked me there's that that's the ending of the story okay i was like you're hey dude on a record i was like hey what's it like being a big snitch you have a hard time looking yourself in the mirror and he's like <laughs> he grabbed me by the lapel of my jacket and yanked me into the fence and he brought me into his face and i could feel how helpless i was because this giant man and he's like you want to say that again to my face i was like no no i don't <laughs> and then he walked away he punked me <laughs> Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, bro. Yeah, you said hello to the happy goodbye to the blues. Kevin and Mike, we gave you all the great news. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin and Mike are here to give you great news. Nice.